All right, guys, thank you for that. We've got our next live guest joining us right now. Lauren Vegan, the Maritime Professor, is here to give us a progress report on the Ocean Shipping Reform Act. Lauren, thank you for joining us this morning. Sure, thanks so much for having me on today. So we've got Osra celebrating a birthday, and we can look back on the last year pretty fondly just because the act itself happened and it was passed. What can we tell, tell or what can we tell has happened since the passage of that? Sure. So we we have had some pretty concrete things start to happen. I think we've had some control over detention and demurrage. Um, certainly awareness and and uh, the entire industry is paying attention and the regulators are paying attention and Congress is paying attention. And I think they kind of got this one right. You never know, right? Congress isn't necessarily in the weeds on all of these industry nuances, but I think they accidentally got this one right. Um, and they they implemented some pretty effective uh, requirements under OSRA 22, most of which we're still kind of waiting on. But even the threat of some of these rulemakings being finalized has started to shift and change the industry. And Lauren, what are we looking at in terms of the next steps? We're looking at the Ocean Shipping Reform Act. Sure. So like I said, we're still waiting on some of the rulemakings to be completed. So uh, most of the the requirements under OSRA, the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022, which, as you know, was signed into law June 16th of 2022. So June 16th, 2023 was the one-year anniversary. Um, we we have some rules that are a little outstanding that we're still waiting to see what happens. Uh, we have had some initiatives in Congress try to go forward, mostly on the House side, where they want to fix a few things or maybe hit a few things that they that they might have missed in the first version. As we know, OSRA 22, as we as it was voted into law, was actually based on the Senate version, and so the House feels like they. I had a few pieces missing. Uh, we'll see if that gets any traction. So far, not much. But uh, we're, we're still waiting on OSRA 22 to, to have some of the pieces uh, finalized and, and finished. So obviously that detention to merge thing was something that wanted to get solved very, very quickly because people were very concerned about the continued backups that were expected on the West Coast and the price that that would in, in, end up running up if that detention to merge was not addressed. Obviously, since then, we've seen a very drastic decrease in the traffic specifically to the West Coast, but also just kind of in container shipping volumes overall. Has there been any kind of maybe like, I told you so, or any pushback now from these shipping companies who are saying, hey, you put limits on detention and demerge where we were making money hand over fist, and now we have almost nothing coming out of that? Has there been any pushback? Well, so so I think detention to merge is an interesting thing. And I think the biggest thing that's coming from all of this is a common understanding of what it should be used for and what it should be applied to. Prior to some of the congestion that was happening in 2021, especially for, for COVID and, and these demand spikes, uh, we didn't really have a clear definition. Sure, it was supposed to be used for the incentivization of movement of goods. And that's what the FMC has really kind of honed in on saying this incentivization principle. It should be only assessed, these charges should only be assessed to help spur the movement of the goods. But prior to, there was also some application of, well, detention and demurrage could potentially or maybe was was being assessed for lost business. If I can't get my cargo box back under a detention scenario, then I should be charging you because I'm losing out on other business that I could have. That, for the most part, seems to have dropped away. Um, I think demerge was the same idea. If I can't move my stuff off the yard, then I'm going to be charging you. Um, it, it's really kind of a nuance there, but it is that incentivization. It should be it should be assessed only to 
spur the activity. So if somebody's sitting on that cargo and they're not quite moving it, the detention or demurrage charge is supposed to be spurring that activity. I think one thing that the ocean carriers are saying is that, look, we were still working through all of this. We were still moving the goods. It's just the application of the detention and demurrage, which is where things were starting to, to the, the discrepancies were happening. And now we have the FMC rules, the detention demurrage billing requirements. We're waiting on the final language of that. Um, but we've had some clarity come out from the FMC, the Federal Maritime Commission, on when detention demurrage, like I said, incentive principle. But also we've seen the drop off in the demand. And so things are a little bit more manageable now. And Lauren, we're looking at potential 2.0. Where does China sit in all of this and really moving forward with potential relationships and regulation against them? Yeah, well, so I mean, right. So we have about 90% of everything comes in on ocean shipping and a significant portion, I think it's 70 or 80% of that comes from China directly. Um, so so they're a major player as as we're looking into this. But, you know, geopolitics is is a larger issue than um, <laughs> that I think any of us really have a good handle on. Um, I, I think it's certainly moving toward onshoring as we can, but we can't just up and move everything right off the bat. So I think what there is a, an intention, a, an attempt to move things onshore, um, potentially even create uh, supply chain systems that are American based. Um, but I don't think we're going to get there super quickly. I think that that's going to take some time. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, that that's part of the the whole thing. If it's not China, it's going to be another country. You know, I think that that's part of what goes into the the totality of the circumstances that people are looking at. Because as we know, business likes certainty. And there was a lot of uncertainty in the past few years. So if they can get control with diversification of entry, diversification of manufacturing, I think that there's going to be a, a push and, and a move toward that. And so as we look into the second year of OSRA being updated, you mentioned that we've got some other proposed rules that are in their finalization processes. What are those rules and when can we expect final decisions or language or implementation on those? Sure. So we have the unreasonable refusals to deal or negotiate with respect to vessels-based accommodations. Initially, this was for kind of an intention of an export and fairness creating um, for exports. This has been expanded by the Federal Maritime Commission to also include imports. Basically, you can't categorically deny something um, for either export or import because the FMC says, look, you have to have a rationale. You have to have some sort of business case for why you are denying this import or export vessel space accommodations. And so that's what that rule really tries to get at. The, the chairman of the FMC, Dan Maffei, has really said, look, this is a nuanced rule. We want to get this right. Initially, Congress said that this was due six months after. So that would have been December 16th. They're well past that, right? We're, we're about seven months past that deadline, a month past their, their one year. Um, that one, I think, is going to continue on and really have some lasting effect. Um, like I said, we have the detention to merge billing requirements. That one was required to be finished at the one-year mark. We're, we're just about a month past that. But that one, I expect the final language to come out any day um, or, or certainly in the next month or two. And the third one that we're waiting on is unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods, which is defining the unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods under the Shipping Act. It's currently uh, a violation of the Shipping Act to engage in unfair or unjustly discriminatory methods, but we don't exactly know what that means. We have a, a little bit of case law on that, but what we're waiting on the FMC and what Congress has directed the FMC to do is to create a little bit of guardrails, a little bit of clarity over what exactly is an example of unfair or unjustly discriminatory methods. Lauren, an amazing rundown. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If people want to get more of your content or reach out to you, how can they do that? 
Sure, they can reach out on uh, LinkedIn or the MaritimeProfessor.com is the website where you can find all of my information. Awesome. Well, Lauren, we'll get to chat with you again soon. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Great to talk to you guys. Thank you. Likewise. Right now, we're going to toss it over to the wall because we have Kaylee Nix with our next weather update.